0: Welcome to the I Believe Podcast, an Cure Insight production, brought to you by CASEL Biosciences. I'm your host, Danae Peterson, a fellow ocular melanoma survivor. Here on the podcast, we'll be sharing information and insights on treatments, research, and living with ocular melanoma.
1: CASEL Biosciences tests are designed to provide clinicians precise and personalized tumor information for the benefit of patient care. If you would like more information about how CASEL is transforming the treatment of eye cancer, visit castletestinfo.com.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the I Believe podcast. Today, I am joined by Heather McMenamin, and she is a patient with ocular melanoma who was gracious enough to come on and tell her story. Um, So Heather, can you just tell us a little about where are you originally from and um, where do you live now?
1: Um, I'm from England, and I have lived in the States for about 36 years. Currently residing in Houston, Texas. Wonderful. So
0: do you happen to know Dr. Harbour in that area? No. Okay. He just Um, barely moved out there, so I just was curious.
1: Yeah. Mm -mm. did not know that doctor. So um, when were you diagnosed with ocular melanoma? What year? Um, I was diagnosed uh, September 29th, twenty-one. So I have just gone over my two-year anniversary of diagnosis. Two years, my goodness.
0: It goes super Mm -hmm. fast in some ways and slow in others, I'm sure. Yeah, in some ways. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you just tell us, you know, what happened leading up to your diagnosis?
1: Yeah, so um, I do wear glasses, so I um, take care of my eyes and have an annual eye exam. Um, Of course, we had covid And so it turns out, I thought I'd missed a year, but um, I actually missed about 18 months when I went for this checkup. Um, I was asymptomatic, had no symptoms whatsoever. Um, The biggest thing I was thinking about, should I get new frames and which one should I pick out and all that good stuff. Which is a huge debate, right? (laughs) Yeah. I was like, ooh, you know. And so I went in. And I noticed the tech was having a difficult time imaging my left eye. She just kept moving things around and couldn't seem to get a good look at it somehow. Um, So anyway, I went into the optometrist after she'd done her various tests and and whatnot and taken, um, not dilation, but the picture of the back of the eye. I've always had dilation and or the photo of the back of the eye. Um, for years, for as long as I can remember, actually. And um, <clears throat> he asked if I was having any problems. I said, none at all. And he looked at the right eye first, which was my good eye, and then he brought up the picture of my left eye, and I could see this quite large black area. Mm. It scared me. So he said, um, you have a choroidal nevus. He didn't mention anything else, but he said you need to see a retina specialist as soon as you can. And we need to get this looked at. So I was able to get an appointment the very next morning, uh, pretty early in the morning, um, to a retina specialist in the same um, facility. And I had my eyes dilated and the doctor came in and he really didn't spend very much time at all. He looked in both eyes and then he said, um, you need to, this is out of my realm, you need to see an ocular oncologist. He still didn't give me any diagnosis of any kind, but um, just said you need to do that. So uh, of course I was very nervous. <laughs> I work in healthcare, and I know what an oncologist means. And um, and I feel very fortunate because I got an appointment the following Wednesday, which would have been one week from when I had my initial eye exam. Um, Dr. Scheffler is an ocular oncologist here in Houston who is amazing. Um, my husband was out of town with business, so a best friend came with me <clears throat> to the appointment, thank goodness, because I said, I don't need anybody to come, fine. Um, but it was a four- or five-hour appointment, which they told me it would be. There's um, lots of testing that you have at that appointment, Um and then Dr. Scheffler came in at the end of everything and uh, you know, told me I had um, uveal melanoma. I had about a, they call it really medium-sized uh, tumor. It's like 13 by 5, uh, 13.5 and then 2.5 in height, um, right on my optic nerve in my left eye. So it was pretty quick, it was very quick quick after that of going and getting um, a lot of pre-op testing. She explained I was going to have brachytherapy here in Houston. Um, It was actually going to be scheduled, so now we were September 29th, it was going to be scheduled for November 1st, just in order to get all of pre-op blood work done. I needed to have an MRI scan to see if there was any metastasis, which is spread um, anywhere else in my body. And various other testing that I needed to get, and I had to meet um, with the, the, but the people that are making the plaque and everything.
0: Uh, I think it's uh, the
1: radiation. The radiation team. Radiation
0: oncologist or the radiation yeah. oncology team. That's,
1: yeah. Um, so all of that, but it was very quick moving. You know, you're having this, um, and I, uh, maybe I'm a rarity in some ways because I absolutely didn't Google anything. I did not go on the computer and look at what this was. I did not look for any support. I didn't look for anything. I just followed direction. Um, <clears throat> I went um, at that time. I actually, went to Methodist uh, Hospital, is where Dr. Scheffler you know, was working out of, and um, had the uh, brachytherapy put in, and it was in for seven days. So I came home. Um, and just, you know, stayed away from everybody, stayed very low key. And it wasn't, I mean, it was uncomfortable. It's kind of strange to think back about that time. But, um, so I had that done, and then I have, oh, and they did a biopsy. Um, I came back with the most aggressive uh, kind, so very high risk uh, for metastasis. We, in our family, 28 is my number that I bow down to and praise to because I have 28% chance of no meds. So we just worship 28 all the time. Um, mm, I love that. <laughs>
0: yeah. All- got find, to gotta find the thing somewhere, right? You got to find the thing. Numbers.
1: Every time I see it everywhere, or we get that number on a table when we're getting our food. We're like, it's a sign. You know, it's it's just it's funny what you do. But um so, yeah, so that wasn't good news, but, um, so I'm on a 90-day, um, three-month scanning protocol. Um, I actually will get results tomorrow for my ones that I just had done, so I wish I could be here and actually be saying, everything's good for 90 days, um, but, and... I think that's it, as far yeah, as yeah. That, that the, seems like it covers the the
0: initial diagnosis and kind of bring right. you to where you are today. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you when you got
1: that biopsy result, um, what was that? I mean, what was that like for you initially? It was hard. It was actually very hard. I'm trying to think how long after I got those results, but it probably was about six weeks later okay, so
0: yeah that that seems to track i think yeah. it's it's pr- it's pretty rare to get it any sooner than a month out yeah after you have was... brachytherapy. yeah
1: were and it was really um... i'm sorry go ahead oh,
0: i was going to say were you able to retain vision yes um that's so, so... cool because it was yeah. right on your
1: optic nerve right 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 touching the optic nerve um but just looking back a little bit the day that they the six weeks after when they told me about the um, the results of the biopsy was, it felt exactly the same as the day I was told I had ocular melanoma. You know, I, I dealt with that and then you, you're moving so quickly and you have the surgery and then you do your recovery and then all of a sudden I'm fine, now I'm driving again, I'm starting to do my running or yoga again and feeling like everything's just fine and I still hadn't gone on Google yet. Um, I was waiting until I met with the medical oncologist and wait until everything was done before I ever went onto the Internet. So then when, you know, I got that, it was like a big smack in the face. I was like, okay, I just got back on my feet and started working out and started feeling like myself again, and now I've got the most aggressive kind. So it was, it was tough, actually, that one. Um, yeah. But... Uh, yeah oh, I get so, yeah, that my, I, I remember yeah. that
0: feeling well like it yeah. was it was really tough it, it felt like you said it felt exactly like the mm-hmm. first time when you got the diagnosis it was like it just happened all over again like deja vu yeah yeah so that
1: was that was a tough time but so far my my eyesight to me isn't really noticeable that it's um degenerating like it it is and when I, when I go in um and they cover my right eye then it I can tell, but my right eye is compensating so much. Mm. And I just did a vision test on that. And, well, actually, both eyes hadn't really changed from the previous year. So I guess my eyesight is still, it's okay. We have just gone to having the eye injections every four weeks. I've just um, had my second one of that. So,
0: so um... With the eye injections, do you feel like that's something that is just kind of a normal part of your medical routine now, or do you wish
1: that you didn't
0: have to deal with that?
1: I know sometimes that's
0: kind of a debate Mm -hmm. for people.
1: Yeah, I would like to not have to deal with it. Um, I know many of the ocular oncologists have a lot of different feelings about it. Um, Dr. Scheffler personally uh, likes to wait until If she sees a little retinopathy in the back, that's when she starts. Some doctors start them from day one, Um, but she doesn't, for for her and I, I mean, I agree with her. She didn't, doesn't want her patients to be coming in every month, some travel a long way, whatever, you know, if they don't have to. So, I mean, she is pretty much on my doorstep. So that part of it isn't difficult, but it is one more thing. It's like, okay, it's four weeks again. but I think she's also, and hopefully, very honest with, we wait and see, doesn't work for everybody, does work for some. So I think we've got to give it a little time and see how I deal with it, see if it's making any difference, um, and take it from there, really.
0: Yeah, I know. That makes sense. I think yeah. that's great. It seems like you have a pretty open um, open communication with Dr. Scheffler, which I think yeah. is a powerful thing mm-hmm. to have with your doctor. Yeah. Um, so let's kind of switch gears a little bit. What are, what are some of the things that you struggle with now? Um, like has, you know, vision change, scanxiety, like, you know, what are, what are some mm-hmm. of the things you feel like have, have changed
1: the most and impacted you? Right. So my, I do have one word, and then I can go from, but the one word since diagnosis is uncertainty. It's uncertainty every day, or every day. It, I don't, I want to go back there. It doesn't consume my life. I really don't think it consumes my life. But there isn't a day go by goes by that I do not think about it. Or, you wake up and your eyes a little irritated, or maybe it is a bit blurrier, or or you're going to get your scans next week or your eye injections. Blah blah blah. Maybe you're on, um, you know, one of our great groups, but you you see good news on there and lots of stories, or you see hear some bad news. So, um, uncertainty is what really sums up how it's changed, I have, um, you know, it's, um, with driving for, for sure, I was a very confident driver, and I love to be a drive. I love to drive, I didn't, wasn't one that said, I'll be the passenger, um, and I'm still fine with driving in the daytime, however, I think even if it was in a place I'm not familiar with, I wouldn't be comfortable, but nighttime driving, I avoid it at all cost. I just... I suppose I don't avoid it. Well, I do. But I I wouldn't mind so much where I really know where I'm going and very local. Um, Mm. But that's taken away quite a big thing of confidence, you know. It really has that you just felt so independent. And now I feel like, well, I would never go out and come home late from somewhere, you know. So it changes that kind of thing for sure. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned, um, you mentioned like running and yoga. So do you still pursue running and yoga? And have you felt like your balance has changed? I know like some, some patients report their balance has changed a lot if they have vision changes. So, uh, and I think that what I, what I've gleaned, what I've gleaned from kind of the vestibular community and the balance community is the idea that that actually doesn't have to do with just your eyesight alone. It's, it's, it's the combination of your eyesight and, your ears and your hearing. Right. And if you have a lack of hearing and you're also losing vision, that that can cause balance issues. Um, yes. but it's, it's interesting. So anyway, I'm just, I'm
1: curious, do you, do you notice that at all for you or do you feel like you're okay? I think I maybe do, I could do a little with some of our balancing poses and the yoga I do, you know, we do a little bit of that, but we do a lot of other things too. I also, um, do get plantar fasciitis. So and that's cause I run probably, but, mm-hmm. um, so I never really know if my balance is off because of my eye or because my feet are hurting and it's just hard to balance. So I'm not really sure. Um twenty-eight percent chance it's either one. We don't know which one. Yeah. <laughs> Could go either way. I'm just making that up, but I'm just yeah, going off your number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um but but I do uh run and yoga are my just go tos where I can I'm only competing against myself if I'm competing. I don't want to do anything where I'm competing with anyone else. So it's only my own judgment, my uh, yoga community and studio, and it's just I just am so thankful I have it. You know, I I think I've been a member there maybe two years. Yeah, two years it opened two years before I was diagnosed, and I've been there two years since and it's a great place. And then we have a great place to run here in Houston. So I get up early and do my run and see the sunrise and I love it. So
0: oh, I love that. Yeah. So yeah. this, this sounds like this is maybe an avenue of, you know, something that has supported you through your diagnosis to, you know, mm-hmm. lean into your physical activity, like yoga, running. Um, so aside from physical activity and just leaning into that, or, you know, you're welcome to expound on that a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the other things that have been of support to you during your diagnosis?
1: Um, friends and family, neighbor, I mean, I'm just, I really am, I don't want to get emotional, I'm so grateful, I, I I really am, um, I do consider myself a lucky one, you know, um, it's, you know, unlucky that we got this, but I have so many people and avenues and areas to go, um, you know, my immediate family, we live here in Houston, there's just our little parties, me, my husband, my son and daughter, you know, other family is overseas or on the East Coast and whatever, but um, just so much support from everybody around, so I'm so grateful for that, and that's, uh, I don't know, not everybody has that, so that's one thing I like to <clears throat> try, you know, I'm be on on the groups that we have, the various different Facebook groups and whatever we have to support anyone and help people that have this. And not everybody has somebody, which I just cannot imagine, honestly.
0: No, I think that's so powerful. And I think that it's... That to me is it kind of segues into our next question of just you know what are what are some of the good things that have come of this diagnosis for you, and some of the gifts and and it sounds like one of the gifts is that you have been given so much support that you have a desire to give that
1: support, and that yeah. that has been a positive thing for you. Yeah, it's um, just I am grateful. I really am grateful, and um, it's I always say it's a tiny little good that comes out of being diagnosed with something, you know, like that is, I think my husband and I, we, we always did kind of put life before, serious with our jobs, but life was always first. We do like to enjoy life and have a good time. But it's really, you know, put that into the foreground that it's just the most important thing. Every day, you know, time is so precious. And, yeah, I just I just feel so grateful for all the things I've done so far. I mean, even you yourself are a lot younger than I am. I don't want to go anywhere yet, don't get me wrong, but, you know, it's, um, I don't know. I've just done a lot, seen a lot, and still have a lot I want to do and see. But I'm just grateful for, uh, for all the things, the, the things that are out there to help me, the support groups that, Once I did get onto the internet and find groups, thank goodness I did. You know, it's just, they're just amazing. Amazing help and support there too, so. But it does, it gives you, I know so many people say nobody's promised tomorrow and anything can happen, but there's a difference. There's a big difference with a diagnosis That when you wake up and the uncertainty again of... Just never knowing what that next scan may say or if you might wake up and you may not you know yourself I know you um, had a nucleation but you know just that your eyesight goes and it's part of your face and so it's something that you look in a mirror and see
0: yeah it's a, every it's a day. visible difference and it's a yeah. it's one of the five senses I mean there's there's so yeah. many pieces of eyesight that are absolutely like important to how we perceive the world and how the world perceives us. We could argue even, um, right. and I think that, that that can make a big impact. So, yeah. have you noticed? Um, well, let's. Um, I don't want to get off track. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> what What is something that you would tell someone else who is brand new to this diagnosis? Maybe they just they just
1: found out. Maybe they're listening to the podcast first. Let's hope they haven't yeah. googled yet. I would, yeah, I mean, if people do, they do, but I just think it can just send you on. It's There's just so much out there, and you can get really well, there's a lot that happens. There's a lot that happens yeah. in the beginning
0: of the diagnosis that yeah. sometimes, I mean, it's not that the internet is a bad thing, no, but it's, it's more just like, when is the most appropriate time to go searching for that information, and when, when do you have the capacity to deal with it and sit with yeah. it? Um, because, like you said, it's kind of a whirlwind the first couple of months, and so the time to sit with that
1: is minimal. Yeah. So I I really would tell, the uh, one thing I would tell someone is, after you've seen, you hopefully got set up with your doctors, or, of course, if you couldn't find doctors, because not everyone's as fortunate as myself, where I actually have a couple in Houston, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say go to Kieran site, You know, somewhere where there's just such good resources, and from there, then there's other groups. Um, Just because it's just so much information, and it's from patients, you know, um, and some caregivers too, but people that are actually dealing with it and really know. And we all go through it a little differently. We've all got a different situation with family, what you know, whatever, different ages, Um, but. You know we're all going through it and we can relate and we can help that person because the questions that you ask you can at least give some advice or point them in the right direction so for me it really would be to to probably go to a Kieran site actually and just start there with some information and get some answers you know
0: yeah. oh, I love that and I think that that's that's a good point and I promise we're not we're not bribing Heather to say this <laughs>
1: no it's um, I mean I wrote my own little notes, and I thought about that question, and I just thought, no, that's that's what I would do. I don't know because we're all so different. You know, the way I internalise mine, or I could say, yes, I've said already, I do think about it at some point every day. It does; it's never gone, but it doesn't consume, and I don't, I don't get, I don't get depressed about it. I don't have to go and talk to someone about it. I, but that wouldn't be good advice to give somebody else. I don't know how they deal with stress or who they've got to lean on. You know, maybe it's because I do have a good support system or maybe it's just my oh, that personality. Makes a big, that makes can, a big deal. Yeah, so I wouldn't be able to give that kind of advice. So I think going to a curing site where there's a good number of us that can give some good advice and or send them in the right direction for um, ocular oncologists, medical oncologists, mm-hmm. you know, different... Um, things that are out there should you have METs and different, you know, all kinds of stuff. So that would yeah. be what I would
0: do. Well, And and if people go to our website as well, if they go to a and then uh, head to newly diagnosed, there should be a section where they can actually find our physician finder. And so if they are, like you said, if they are struggling to locate someone who can um, offer treatment, then they can actually search their zip code. You can search your, I think you can search city and state, um, right. just to get a better idea of who is the closest doctor to you. Um, because you know, you could be somewhere in the West Coast, somewhere in the Midwest, and you may not have to travel clear to the other side of the country or to, you know, a totally different eye center. I mean, obviously there's some very well established eye centers in various parts of the country, but but they're not the only ones accessible to you. Right. And so we, we hope that you know that physician finder can be helpful on the website. In addition yeah. to talking to other
1: patients, like you said.
0: Yeah. And um,
1: and sometimes you want a second opinion. You may yeah. have someone you like and it's great, but at the same point you still just want to so I just think that is, it's not a plug at all. I just think it is what I would tell someone you new. Know, I think it's the best place to go to get. And that may have been, well, I didn't really, I was fortunate. I was fortunate with who I have and she is uh, well-renowned and, you know, everything's yeah. been okay on this end. But otherwise, I maybe I would have been tapping away, say it. I need help.
0: Well, we are glad yeah. you did eventually come to the internet and find us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so how have you learned to advocate for
1: yourself this last couple of years? Um, so the biggest thing, again, I know I keep saying I'm grateful, but I'm fortunate, but I really am because um, we're in a position. Uh, my husband really kind of convinced me to. Uh, I was working full time, and, um, you know, to, he like either quit or go. So I do 2 days a week. Um I can pick up any shifts I need if if I want or if they need me or but I work 2 days a week um and also have the freedom because I have a um, awesome director and people where I work that support this again so I can take time off too. I don't I'm not stuck to my 2 days a week and then so, um, last year it was kind of i finished my full time job, but then I went back to the u k for three months and there was two reasons: I hadn't been for a couple of years. I try to go annually or every eighteen months, actually, it may have been close to three years because of covid <clears throat> and then I got diagnosed and so I wanted to go and see all of my family and spend a lot longer than two weeks, trying to rush around and see everybody. Um, but my job allowed me to do that. You know, I was able to take that much time and go over there and spend that time. I did a yoga retreat in Scotland, which was amazing. And that was something I'd never done a retreat before. And just friends and family over there that, you know, I don't see as much. So, um, so I don't know if that's we said, you said kind of advocate, but that's that's one thing I've kind of changed and done. And then the other thing is, um, you know, if doctors are unaware, which, you know, they're great doctors and whatever, but they may be unaware of the protocol or a good protocol for scanning for us. So I um, talked to the medical doctors about about that, about our scan protocol and MRI versus CT, Um it's the better, uh, modality for finding this and it's no radiation. That's one of my big things. So, um, you know, so that's, that's really the other thing is just, um, I work with the public, so I do not try to, I don't bring it up because I don't want to talk about my cancer. I'm actually dealing with patients. I do mammography, so they're coming in to get, breast exam but if they bring it up sometimes they're saying i'm going to get my eyes tested today too and i say what else you haven't done so the other thing is just all friends and family of course know this and they uh spread it or you know help to spread the word but awareness for um eye exams and having dilation or the photo um remember the name opto but the photo of the back of the eye getting that taken Mm -hmm. is the most important thing. So that's the way I advocate is with the doctors and letting other, other patients know about the protocols and um, getting an awareness out there, really. Get
0: I think that's so shut. powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is something that, like maybe a, a belief that you've adopted since being thrust into all of this uncertainty that has helped you in navigating
1: your diagnosis? Um, I say live your best life every day. I mean, just every day. I cannot change the outcome. There are things, we know there's things you can do, maybe with diet, maybe with supplements. I am I don't want to say you, but in some ways I feel we really can't change the outcome. None of us can really, a life, you know. And then I also have to tell myself I didn't cause this. You know, I. I don't know why I was the unlucky lottery winner of ocular melanoma, you know, one in a million, in, uh, or it's six out of six in a million in the United States, but here we are, right? So, um, I mean, I'm a pretty low-key person anyway, and don't let my feathers get ruffled too much, um, but it's way less now. <laughs> I mean, it's so much less now. I just drive in, you can go in front of me. Grocery line, you can go in front of me. You know, I mean I just there's so much Sometimes this.
0: it's just not worth it's just not worth the energy it takes to explain it, right? I mean it's not like when you're driving, it's not like you're gonna explain to someone, Well, I have poor eyesight on yeah. this side, I'm sorry. Like and same with yeah. in the grocery store. If you run into them, it's just like, oops, I'm sorry, like <laughs> sorry. that happened. Um, yeah.
1: So don't sweat the small small stuff. Don't sweat and, uh, small stuff, yeah. Yeah, and then just live your best life every day. I mean, just be kind and embrace everything you can and spend time with, I just think you just spend time, but you know, it's just spend time with who you love or who you want to be with and doing things you want to do. I mean, yeah. I'm, I don't want to spend time like, doing things I don't want to do. No, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's such a good point. Um, yeah. So what
0: do you want other people to take away like the most from hearing your story? Um,
1: so awareness, I mean, just, I wish there's a way that, um, you know, as of course with mammograms, you know, people have so much awareness about, um, about that. Um, I mean, obviously our cancer is so rare, so there's not going to be the same amount of awareness, but if we, if everyone I know can tell one other person or someone else, and it's just, you know, trickle-down-the-lane kind of thing. I mean, it's just everybody you tell is one other person. Everybody you say to get an annual eye exam, whether you wear glasses, don't get glasses, get your eyes dilated. I mean, so it just spreading awareness, honestly. is just, if we can do that, and anyone that listens to this just tell somebody else, that's, I think, some of the most we can do. Yeah, no, that's such a good, that's such a good way to put it.
0: And I love, I love what you said about this idea that when you tell one person, it will trickle down to, you know, somebody else, they're going to tell someone and they're going to tell someone just that kind of ripple effect. You know, if you drop a pebble in the water, it doesn't just make a plop and then stop, there's a ripple. And I think that it's, I think that it's telling, um, about the kind of person that you are Heather as a patient and just as a, as an advocate for awareness, it's just telling that you see that, you see that possibility that, you know, yes, you're six in a million um, or one of six in a million, but that doesn't mean you're, you're at all insignificant in this, in this ability to make an impact. Um, And I think that that's, that's so powerful that you have kind of gained that
1: and and seen that on your own. Yeah. And it's, um, I always love it when, Someone will text or tell me or whatever, and say, "I got my eye exam <laughs> because of you today. I went and got it done." Yeah, it makes you feel good. Like makes it you, does feel like make you feel like something is changing. Um, yeah, so um, you know, every time someone says that, or you know, I don't, they don't need to know everything about the cancer. It's just go and get an eye exam. Tell people to get eye exams. Tell people to get dilation, and um, you know, just. The more awareness that can be, you know, the more research that maybe can be done, the more money that can be put into that, so, yeah.
0: No, it's, it
1: is. I mean, it, it's very much a ripple effect everywhere, that idea that,
0: you know, yes, the awareness can go out and we can have people more aware, but also that effect of raising money, research, uh, helping people be more aware so that, you know, so that research is happening and being funded at a higher rate. Um, right. And so you seem, you seem like someone who has really, you know, despite the fact that maybe you didn't Google in the first few weeks (laughs) or the first month or so, you seem like you've taken a lot of initiative to learn, um, and that knowledge around your own diagnosis has become very important to you. Do you feel like you could tell us, you know, maybe why, why do you feel like that, that kind of having the knowledge has been
1: impactful and helpful? Um, to help, I I mean, it's to help myself, but it's to help others. It's just, you know, um, Again, if you go back to another cancer, I'm not at all trying to downplay any any cancer, but you know sometimes in a room you can have a few, it's, you know, in my job you have a few people. I have two people I work with that have had breast cancer, you know, just co-workers, and we're a very small department. And so the more knowledge I can get on this and learn, because there isn't much... I don't want to say nothing, but there's very little out there for us. There's very little. So, you know, I can go onto these different sites and learn as much as I can, um, listening to podcasts you've, you know, had on with different doctors and people. Um, and just, and then I can help to spread that or help support somebody else when a new person um, comes onto one of the groups and they want, as we call it, like a buddy. Um, mm-hmm. And just try to help people. Um, navigate and learn, get more knowledge really on it because it's so rare. So many, you know, people have just never heard, physicians included, they just never heard of it. It's one of those crazy little ones out there. Yeah, it is. You're right.
0: So um, just in in the realm of awareness, um, one of the ways that we can spread awareness, you know, through, at least that we do through a cure insight is, you know, obviously we talk about we talk about eye exams. We talk about the importance of um, you know, what is ocular melanoma to begin with and just you know those social media kinds of posts. And I've seen you share those. So thank you for sharing those posts when you share you're those. You're welcome. Um, but you're in the Houston area, so I wanted to highlight um, the walk that we have coming up. Are you planning on going to the Looking for a
1: Cure Ocular Melanoma Walk in Houston? I am. So the um, Looking for a Cure Ocular Melanoma 5K is in Houston on December 10th. We believe at uh, Terry Hershey Park um, there is um, a website and scan codes and whatever to give you more information on it. I do have my own team, Astral, A-S-T-R-A-L, 28. Astral is um, our run club. We run for Astral Bruin and um, 28 is my lucky number. Um, So as many people that could either donate or join the team would be wonderful. You can um, also join the team virtually for anyone that's in another place and not here in Houston, or you can donate. Um, You don't have to run a 5K. You can walk leisurely or skip or jump or whatever you fancy doing. (laughs) But um, it would be great to see people for that. And, yeah. Yeah hopefully raise yeah, some more no. money so we can get some more research done.
0: I love it. Thank you. Um, so this, I'm going to put you on the spot really quick, and it's there's mm. no right or wrong answer here. So, um, But I am wondering, have you joined
1: the Insight Registry? I think I have, but I can't give you a concrete answer. I think I have, and I have a note. Um, ever since you guys were in Seattle and talking about it a lot, um and so it is on my to-do list and I will do it for sure. love it. But I think I started um, it, but I don't think it's I know it can well, take and some it's, time. it's
0: kind of got a it's got a few pieces to it. there's there's various yeah. different pieces of you know, you sign up and you sign the consent forms, and then there's various different surveys that you can go through on your own time. So you probably just haven't completed all of the surveys. Right. um, Which is totally fine. You know, we all do those at different paces at different times. Uh, But I I love that you've joined the registry because that goes right into your idea that knowledge is important. And and joining the registry as a patient is one of the biggest ways that you can make an impact for future research. Because um, as our registry, the data matures, like we will be using this. Um, It will be usable data uh, from our natural history registry that is, you know, like de-identified. So if anyone is listening and they're curious about the registry, um, it's de-identified. So that means that, you know, they're, they're never going to know it's Heather who lives in Texas. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but they are going to be able to take insights from, you know, whatever it is that you share on, on your registry surveys and any, uh, history that you share. So that's such a powerful way as a patient that you can make an impact in the awareness sphere. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. Well, to end, um, can you tell us? Do you have a favorite song or maybe a favorite book that brings you um just uplift,
1: comfort? I mean, there's again no right, no right or wrong answer here. I do, and it's an older song, but it wasn't a song that was necessarily in my repertoire. But it must have come up when I was running, and so it's "Take Me Home, Country Roads" by John Denver. Um and even though it's about West Virginia, I grew up in the country, um in a very small village in England, Matching Green. And um so it used to make me cry a lot when I was first diagnosed and would listen to it and be running and crying. People probably thought, Well, who's that crazy lady? Um but I just think of my country roads, um back in England and I just love that song. So that has become my but so i love it thank you so much for sharing heather this was yep.
0: marvelous thank you so much um thank for you those today. of you listening please reach out to heather on uh, facebook are you on facebook i am yes facebook um so you can find her on facebook in the facebook groups and um just reach out if you want to uh, connect with her if you're in the texas area please make sure to attend the run if you can yep. and hopefully you'll meet up with heather in person that would be wonderful <laughs> it would so be we will great see you guys yes. next time Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on the I Believe podcast, brought to you by Castle Biosciences. Please be sure to subscribe, and if you're so inclined, send this episode over to friends, family, and share on your social media to help spread awareness around OM. If you have a moment, leave us a brief review or consider making a donation to the links in the show notes to keep our podcast going. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Acure Insight. We'll see you next time on the I Believe podcast.